This is the Tribe Mastermind, where we talk business, purpose, and passion with your hosts, Jordan Muela and Steve Welty. If you're ready to shift into a bigger future, then this is the show for you. So plug in, buckle up, and get ready to be. Welcome, Universe, to another episode of the Tribe Podcast. Steve, I got to tell you, you know what I love about this format is that we just jump right into it because we figured out the secret, which is all the good stuff always get, ends up getting recorded before we hit record. I know. That's why I was dismissive of your banter. <laughs> <laughs> I like I lead in with like some personal, like, how you doing? You're like, boop, hit record. Yeah. Yeah. But you were saying, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I was saying, yeah. So we were talking about you know, how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. My, my reply to your response was making life harder than usual. I was experiencing some resistance yesterday. I ended up my day yesterday and went home and was talking to my wife. And I was like, yeah, I was in a little bit of a funk today. But I realized I was resisting a decision that needed to be made. And it was I was experiencing it as procrastination when rea- in reality, I was simply grappling with the weight of the commitment and not fully appreciating that the decision that I'm needing to make um, just comes with a higher bar of commitment as all good, good things do. And I just kind of wasn't connecting the dots, but it clicked for me at the end of the day. So that's how I'm doing, man. Man, is it to make your life simpler? (laughs) <laughs> actually probably more like making my life more more complicated it's just some more big big projects i'm i'm signing up for and um some changes around that stuff so i'll get into it more in the future but that was the summary and you know how sometimes like you know you get excited about an idea but then the closer you get to it you just you start to feel a little resistance just realizing like it's going to cost you something to to pull the trigger and there can be just a little bit of a moment of hesitation yeah totally i did um i was on jason hole's podcast yesterday the day before we had a good conversation about he brought up the fact that sometimes we don't take action because the fantasy is sweeter than the reality like once you step into it then the fantasy is gone and it's almost nicer in some regards to just have this like (laughs) fantasy Dude, no. the fantasy the fantasy doesn't have like deadlines, cost burden. <laughs> fantasy is just all upside now. I'm with you. Yeah, and I asked about Simpler because Clint shared a podcast with me. He listened to it was Guy Raz, How I Built This, which actually I don't listen to a lot. People send me episodes, but it's been pretty good when I've heard it. But it had shit, I'm a butcher's name, Yvonne Gachard or something, uh, the owner of Patagonia. And he was really wise. He's an older guy. He's been doing it 50 some years and it, it really cool concepts. Like they were growing fast and he intentionally slowed growth way down because he's like fast growth can will kill a company and tried to stay small. He's still hundred percent owner and they did like three consecutive quarters of a billion dollars uh recently <laughs> and uh wow he he says he spends from i forget the dates but like half of the year in jackson hole with no cell phone or like no one can contact him he's like if the warehouse burns down what are you going to call me for like you know i don't i don't know what to do <laughs> like you guys <laughs> figure it out or whatever so but he talked about the 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 hardest thing to do in life is to simplify 
because everything pulls at us to make it more complex. And he gave this analogy of in when he's fly fishing, he started only taking one fly. And I don't fly fish, but I guess fly fishermen and women, Clint was telling me this, usually have like hundreds of flies because mm. you change it out all the time. And he's like, I caught more fish with my one fly than, you know, ever. And so just got me thinking about simplification and it is true. It is hard to simplify because it almost like whenever I take an action to simplify, then you add two more steps that can recomplicate things. So it was, just, it was interesting. Mm, I dig that. All right. So let's, let's talk about simplification relative to goals and success. We've talked before about how, what a poor proxy money is for success when we conflate these these two things do you ever find yourself like knowing where you're at in the journey that you've been on i'm curious do you ever still find yourself butting up against um what feels like the right business thing to do versus what you have like a real desire or drive or energy to do do you still like interact with conflict between those two things that was my whole day yesterday bro tell me <laughs> so I had a call with Jason, uh, a coach I'm working with, and we were talking about that because I was telling him that uh, music's really firing me up and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but, you know, I still feel like I am expected to do certain things um, in different, you know, in the business and, and that, you know, could I fully step into this more? And if I did that, would it actually max out the business like I think it would? Because I think I'm really in a, you know, a people development uh, leadership role with the business and steering the direction of the vision and then giving them the tools and helping them identify things inside of them that uh, maybe they didn't see themselves. So like yesterday, I did a great conversation with Natalia, one of my leaders, and we did a R-factor question. So if we were going to meet here three years from today, looking back over those three years, what would have had to have happened for you to feel good about your progress personally and professionally? I took her to lunch. I asked her that question. Then I followed up with the DOS. So we did. I said, what dangers uh, or threats are standing in your way of this bigger future? And we listed them. What opportunities do you see that you'd like to capitalize on? And what strengths um, What com- What strengths do you have or what, what makes you confident that we could continue to build your confidence around? So we listed those things and I sent her a follow-up email with books I recommended, a course I recommended she take. Uh, things like that. And man, I felt really good after it. I think she did too, because we hadn't connected in a while. But, um, you know, I think it just continually giving yourself permission to step into the things you actually want to be doing. And like leadership is what I want to be doing. Mm. Yeah, man. Well said. It's what you, so in that case, it's what you want to be doing and what we're both clear that there's just a massive amount of leverage in. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge amount of leverage when we're, stepping into what you want to be doing. And it comes back to the idea of joy for me. It's like uh, joy is usually an afterthought for some reason. At least it was for me. Like once I do all the things everyone else expects me to do, and if there's time left, then, you know, I'll try to squeeze something that makes me happy, like yoga or surfing or playing music. And it's like, well, what if I flipped it and woke up and said, okay, what's going to bring me joy today? And then schedule that. And I really think everything will spiral upward uh, and make everything better. Honestly, like I want to do like a vlog series about this concept. Like I don't want to, I want to mm. have it be a motiveless concept, kind of like, well, is this true? 
Mm. find people that are doing that mm. and then see where their businesses are at and <laughs> see, see like, you know, how their life is, et cetera. Just, you know, cause that's my, that's my, uh, as you know, that's kind of my, uh, hypothesis. So we keep coming back to this virtuous loop, this virtuous cycle. It came up at PM girl when people were getting so excited and fired up about this customer experience stuff. And for me, it's like the customer experience thing works because it's about creating joy in somebody else's life, feeding off of that, getting more inspired to do it again, getting more of a reaction. Like it's like it loops over and over again. Mm-hmm. When you, I think about you or me at our best, I'm really bullish, like really optimistic and really excited. And I know me at my worst and me at my worst is none of those things. So if me pursuing joy puts me in that state of bringing my A game and allowing me to presence myself with the greatest level of passion and vim and vigor, the things that other people recognize and fires them up. I mean, that's, that's what it's about for that's how I explain it. Like it's not, uh, I feel like there are some practical mechanics that people can relate to. It's not all wishful thinking. Yeah. And I think you nailed it about what fired people up because bringing joy to other people is very inspiring and brings more joy to you. Uh, I've mentioned this book before, The Power of Moments, but we did, we started a book club at Good Life and we did our first meeting post reading and we, we read The Power of Moments. And the, <laughs> the first question was like, what, you know, I didn't run it. Olivia's running it. And she's like, what did you guys think? And then Grace was like, first, I think Steve Trojan horsed this book because it's like a book about how to make the company better. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I did. But you can pick your Trojan horse next time. Uh, Nice. but, uh, But everyone got really excited about the concepts in the book that talk about there's so many moments that we don't celebrate. For instance, internal moments like my business development manager adding his 500th property or 1000th property or what if an owner what if we gave him a 25k club award for 25 grand collected in rent um you know there's all these little benchmarks that nobody recognizes and Jake actually from tribe was the one that turned me on to this book and he was telling me how he has a he wants to get a moment spotter like someone mm-hmm. that's actually their job is to cuz it's hard to think about those things when you've got like 150 emails mm-hmm. So Olivia, who actually, who's a, she's our marketing uh, lady, she uh, really loves doing birthday gifts and things like that. So she's going to be that person. Mm. And um, some really, really cool ideas came out of it. And a lot of joy, I think, bubbled to the surface during that exercise. So I recommend that book. I dig it. Classic gap versus gain, right? I know my temperament, like it's real easy for me just to overlook, overlook significant, meaningful things and just be like, next, next accomplishment, next achievement. <laughs> right. But with myself, you know, so it's like, it's helpful to me too, to also celebrate those things in my own life in addition to cel- celebrating them in the lives of others. Right. Definitely. So, you know, I don't know. Knowing your values, knowing your priorities, um, you know, overcommitment sometimes gets in my way. I've, I've been paring back a lot of my commitments. I'm trying to simplify as much as possible. And one commitment in particular, uh, I was, you know, has to do with uh, NARPM. And I'll just come out and say it. Like, I've been on the board five plus years at SD NARPM. And... When I saw, I was treasurer for three years and then I was vice president. And I didn't really realize, and it wasn't anyone's fault. It was my fault for not like realize, but like I didn't really realize it was like two years vice president and then two years president and then like a year past president. And I'm just, 
it's just uh, not lighting me up as much as I, it used to. And I feel like if the, if the organization is going to do well, other people, you know, need to come up and step up. And so I was having a conversation about stepping down and, um, you know, one part of me feels really bad because I committed to it, but I think things change. And that was a difficult conversation I was I needed to have. And I, I mean, actually, I fired off the email first to like get the conversation started, but we, we were going to have a conversation about it. But that was something difficult for me to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was really struggling totally. with it. I asked people at coach and, you know, it was like obligation versus commitment. It felt more like an obligation. Disappointing people. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. That happened this week where I. Uh, I had a change of my, my staffing situation changed up in one of my companies. Uh, some a, a part time resource quit, and somebody needed to fill the gap. And I was like, "Oh, I'll do it. Like, I'll go like sign up for some job, but like just this task that they were going to do." And then I was like, "I knew in the moment I shouldn't have done it, but I'm still so eager." So it was like one more time. Like I signed up, and then I had to go back afterwards and tell my team. I was like, "Oh, guys, like I totally shouldn't have done that. I overcommitted. Like, please help me in the future. Don't yeah. let me sign up for stuff like that." And you know, there were. They were fine. They were cool with it. But I had this guilt of like, oh, I'm going to disappoint the team. I'm going to disappoint the team. But the truth is by me taking that up, I'm dropping some other important ball. Like my bullishness on my abilities and giftings and unique ability, that's where the conviction of saying no comes from for me. Yeah. I'm glad you asked them to help you in the future because that's something that really helped me with that. When I told the team, once I learned this, I didn't really realize it, but I was like, your guys' job, your number one job before servicing the client, before you know coming to work on time is to free up my time and energy. Like, that's your number one job. <laughs> bro, I love it, bro. I love it. It is because it's not so I go sit on the beach. It's because, you know, I'm... I'm the one mo- at at the time, I was the only one working on the business. You know what I mean? Like I was like, you have to, that's your number one job. And uh, some people in particular, Adam, who I love, my business development manager, who's been with me forever. He was relentless with that. I would try to grab stuff and level 10 and stuff. He'd be like, no, 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 no. Steve's not doing that. Like I'll, I'll do that before Steve does that. <laughs> like, and so if, if, uh, if you, you know, build enough goodwill and, and have a good team and people, you know, like and trust each other, uh, sometimes your people will watch your back. Yeah. Well, that and also just can get conditioned to the fact that if Steve does say yes, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. That's what I'm trying. That's part of what I'm trying to communicate to my guys. Like, just understand, like, if I say yes, you know, it's, it's some kind of some shaky odds that if I say yes to something low level, you know, I shouldn't be doing like it's 50 50 if that's actually going to happen. <laughs> shaky odds. <laughs> that's funny. I want to be, I want to be a flake for the lower level stuff that is not as outside of my unique ability. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you, but you don't, you don't want to be unreliable too. No, I don't want to be unreliable, (laughs) but I just want, I, I have, I got to be me, man. Like me is somebody that has this overwhelming desire to help and be useful and to jump in and support people. And I just, I know too many people to do that for everybody. So, Hey, so here's something that I wanted to, to highlight my journeys and experiences with a dumb phone a weekend, baby. Oh, yeah. I want to hear that, dude. I forgot. Oh, oh flippy. Yeah. 
Oh, bring flippy. him back. Bring him back all flippy. <laughs> Dude, that's so bad. <laughs> so first off, I made it way harder than it needed to be, right? Because like you have this thought and that oh, I had the thought of, hey, wouldn't it be great if I had more space, less compulsiveness around being on the phone, have a dumb phone. But then from there, the uh, like the the complexity monster jumps on my back and it's like, oh, I better do some research on dumb phones and buy the best one on the market, which is like the stupidest thought I could possibly have. Right. What, what's your fact finder, by the way? I don't, I don't remember offhand. It, it's, it's lower. Is but it lower? Oh, okay. I was just curious. It's, I think it's like, it's a, it's a form of procrastination. So yeah. go down that path and it's like, Oh, well, like, also, can you have two phones on one line? Let me talk to AT&T and like all this BS. And finally, I had that conversation with you in the last podcast. I said, I'm going to do it next day. Walk in the store. 20 minutes, bro. 20 minutes in the store. They give me a new line. 30 bucks a month. Prepaid. Got the phone. Walk out. Boom. Done. Nice. Yeah. So Perfect. I have really enjoyed it. I've been leaving my phone, my smartphone in my office. I'm still going to take it with me in my travel, but I've been leaving it in the office, not having it at home, not having it in the car. And um, yeah, it's, it's great. And one of the upsides is that I can still use like WhatsApp and my texting, et cetera, via my laptop. As long as my phone was like in Antarctica, as long as it's connected to Wi-Fi, I can still use those mobile apps via the desktop app. Oh, wow. Dude, I love that. That's so cool. I'm glad you did that. And uh, it sounds like a week or so in you're, you're, you're loving it. Man, I'm just, I'm enjoying just the clarity of thought of like when I have downtime, being able to sit mm. and think as opposed to having the default be scrolling. And I can't, I'm not ready to like fully articulate it, but for me, I would just say it was a real mental relief just to have a little more space and freedom to kind of mentally decompress in dead space instead of trying to. I, I just, I was struggling with the illusion and the fantasy of like working and every ringing value out of every minute. Mm. Like, for example, knowledge consumption, podcast, video, audiobook, article. And that can even, it's not gaming. You know, I'm not like watching, I'm not, not on YouTube. Not that this is any better than that, but it's still, it, it wasn't adding value at a certain point. So glad you did that. I want to see what happens in the next one, two, three months for you. I think uh, we'll see some big shifts because I'm a big believer in in that space, as you know. So that's huge, man. I'm so glad you did that. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm stoked. It, I appreciate your encouragement. I love staying in the conversation with you about space. Yeah, man. And uh, I've been thinking about the phone a lot too. And uh, did you have an iPhone or a Droid? Android. Droid. Okay. So iPhone came out with screen time, which is this, they automatically notify you unless you turn it off about how much you're using your phone, which I think is actually cool because it starts conversation. And I think, you know, they probably got pressured into doing something like that, or maybe they did right. it on their own. You know what I mean? Right. But <clears throat> I've been looking at it and on a day, I feel like I don't use my phone a lot. I'm using it for about two and two hours, 15 minutes, give or take. And there's four pickups on average an hour. So that's, I don't know, 50, every 15 minutes I'm picking it up. And that's on a good, that's like a day where I felt like I created a lot of space from my phone. <laughs> and like, if I looked yesterday, it was probably close to three and a half hours. But the thing is, it's weird because 
I like I use it for a lot of <laughs> what I would call not like productive stuff, like uh, you know, voice memos, um, like WhatsApp with the tribe, you know, um, I don't know, different stuff. But then I don't know. I was trying to get really nerdy with it, and then I I was like trying to go where you went and like put it away and do all this stuff. And then I'm like, should I just embrace it? Like, like as long as it doesn't get out of control, sometimes I try to put too much, like when I wake up, I have at any given time, 15 things that I'm currently like trying to work on, like with myself, you know what I mean? It's like almost yeah. too much. Like, yeah. oh, don't pick up your phone for two hours before you get up and then don't eat before 11. And then, and I'm like, I'm getting to the point now to where I'm just like, I think I've done it's overkill, man. Like, that's part that's part of the journey man it's just like forgiving yourself and not beating yourself up and yeah, yeah. and so i mean I, I always believe small habits you know are build big outcomes um but you know i'm i'm kind of playing with setting the commitments a little more loosely you know i think confidence is so important that you want to always be building that and protecting that that's why i love the three wins each day or the three uh, things to do each day. I, I do that every day, like just three things. And if I get those done, I can take the rest of the day off or the rest of the bonus day. And I'm feeling good. And then for instance, like with growth goals at Good Life, we we hit, I think we actually exceeded our growth goals so far this year as far as door ad. We're actually a little below where we need to be because we lost more than we anticipated. But, and I would say we set our target like, a little bit, a little bit of a stretch of realistic, right? But not like the year before, it was like not even attainable. And so every year we were behind on our, our growth goals and it felt like crap. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this year, I want to set more like realistic goals. And we are all feeling really good. I mean, we're happy with the progress. And so I don't know, how do you think about, how do you set your goals? What has your journey been like? Yeah, so this is good timing because we're at the end of the quarter. So I'll be flying out to Portland next week and doing an eight-hour quarterly on-site with Chris to to have a lead simple review. And I experienced the same thing this year. We were six months into doing EOS. And the first time that we went about it at the beginning of the year, end of last year, you set these targets and they're just, they're just off. It's just the nature of, of doing it. So one quarter in, we had the opportunity to go back and reset the targets, but we didn't. So I experienced two quarters of a number kind of being off and I'm really committed to changing and recalibrating that. I recently listened to the book, The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. And I was fascinated with how popular that book is and that it had so much focus on forecasting and particularly the sales forecast because uh, the cost model is built upon the revenue model and therefore the revenue model really has to be beat up and tested and sales marketing people are overly optimistic. So that's part of the question is, is the forecast an estimation of what is likely to happen or is it, is it about what you would like to see happen? And if it's the latter, what is the level of commitment that you're willing to put in? There's no right wrong. But what I do know is dysfunctional is to have it be largely aspirational without having a matching level of commitment from, from every, everybody on the team. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Cause you see some people, I hear some people with, and I think the BHAG thing, you know, really started this off, uh, where it's just like, whoa, like you're trying to get to X, and you're not even like nearly close. And there's two or three years that can be demotivating, but 
I think you try different things and, you know, there is uh, something to be said about, you know, a big target. I like, uh, I like the 25 year target that they talk about in coach because when you set it that far out, it's like anything's possible <laughs> and you get a lot of confidence from when, when I did that exercise, like writing what your life looks like in 25 years, like, yeah, I'm a badass. 25 years, mm. man. I got it figured out. Like you can do anything in 25 years. Um, so like going 10X isn't always about going 10X in three years. It's like go 10X in 20 years, you know, 25 years or whatever it is. So um, just protecting the confidence is, is important. And with your people too, I think. So that's why I love having that conversation with... I learned so much about Natalia that I didn't know. And man, just going to lunch has been one of the game changers for me this year with my team is just snagging people without them knowing, being like, hey, you want to go to lunch? Let's go to lunch. And then just like talking with them, man, and getting in their, in their head and seeing how you can support them. Um, that's been huge. I dig that, man, that connection. That's a <clears throat> area of struggle for me as I'm remote, but it's definitely still something I try and do. It increases the importance of doing ongoing reviews. I have one-on-one um, -on -one reviews today. And when I'm out on doing on-site, so definitely try and take people aside, go to coffee, that sort of thing. Two things that, that came up that I want to highlight. So the thing that you were saying about commitments and having like 16 commitments and practices all going on at once and it's overwhelming. My interest is converting those commitments into defaults and giving credit to environmental factors as being like massively influential. Um, this is the idea that like you're going to go on a diet and so you don't have a bunch of boxes of junk food in your house. Like it's just life is easier that way. And so that's what the smartphone thing was about for me. It was just realizing I do have a finite amount of willpower. And if I can just remove those decisions, it just makes life a little bit easier for me. Um, you feel me on that? Yeah, I do. And you put it well, when you move it to defaults, cause I was thinking about that this morning, I was like, I don't have to think of like, hey, don't drink a Diet Coke first thing when you wake up. Like that would just never occur to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, you move them into habits. But I think what I, one of my problems is I'm doing too many habits at once. And so maybe just picking one out and being like, okay, hey, I want to work on this one. And that's what I used to, used to do, actually. I used to ping, uh, pin it on my board and say, okay, I'm working on this one for the next 30 days or whatever they say it takes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Environmental man. I beg my wife. I'm like, will you please stop buying chips? Like, if you just didn't buy <laughs> chips. She's like, why? Well, why do you not like why do I have to not have chips? Just because you can't control yourself. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> it's like this constant struggle. Oh. But I'm like, oh man. Dude, I can actually really relate to that <laughs> right, right now. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. I dig it. And then the other thing on um the growth modeling and forecast is just <clears throat> The reminder that the, the forecast first and foremost has to be, what do you think is going to happen? Like if we do nothing, what is the default? Because mm -hmm. if you're not grounded in that, if you're not acknowledging like what is the default trajectory, then you're not in a place to be aspirational and the aspiration is just going to be fantasy. And if there's a big delta between the default and your aspiration, like... I mean, this happens all the time, right? People, you have these conversations. Folks don't have a history of growth, but they say, I'm not making any money right now. I got to grow the business. We need to, we need to 2X or 3X or whatever. So then it's like, okay, well, like, how are you going to go about doing that? Like, what would, 
what kind of transformation would be required and like what is your level of commitment for that um that's that's how i tend to i just want to be like honest and accountable with myself of how much of myself i'm willing to give in order to Mm -hmm. hit the goal yeah and in the jack stack great game of business book they he gets super in the weed i think they say they like spend six months doing their sales forecast or something crazy but just something simple um like like not to plug profit coach but i have to because i i do really appreciate the the service the forecast danny and you came up with that gives me so much confidence because i actually know for the first time this year like exactly how much money we're gonna make give or take like at the end of the year and we identified something on the last call where the, he's like, hey, your, your LER, your labor efficiency ratio looks really good around June. You can actually hire someone at like 60K if you want. And I was like, hell yeah. And so I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have never thought we could hire someone. So we, we had the bandwidth to actually hire someone. And uh, to some people like, that are already doing forecasts, it may seem elementary, but I think the majority of company owners aren't really doing forecasts and not ones that are easy and simple because at least me personally, I don't want to make it too complex. It's just having a spreadsheet that I can update monthly that's going to project out to the future. Super, super powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So I had two experiences recently. Like I have these, this kind of family of businesses and they're all in different places with lead simple there was like a moment where we were getting a little ahead of ourselves culturally, Chris and I, and the nature of the team, like it's basically an engineering organization. If I'm being honest, like it's primarily an engineering organization. So culturally we're not built for like, yeah, we have these crazy growth goals. You know, I'm going to have hundred percent growth next year. I put a gun to everybody's head, you know, <laughs> we better figure it out. Ah! Like right. just, that's not our, but we were kind of skewing that way for a minute. We adopted a much higher burn rate than normal. And then some, some circumstances just kind of like came together that we had some, we had basically had some, some people quit and it really gave us some breathing room. And like, I had this like moment of clarity reset where I was like, wow, that was a terrible idea. I'm so glad we, we're not doing that anymore. We need to mm-hmm. slow it down and be much clearer on kind of banking on like, what is the default predictable growth rate that we know, as opposed to figuring out that we're going to like, you know, jump off the cliff and build the plane on the way down. Um, yeah. I mean, so, uh, has that ever happened to you where you've just like kind of gotten out over your skis with, with forecasting growth? Oh yeah, totally. And it just beats you up. And so I really like the small giants model. I mean, to each his own, but I think the default for entrepreneurs is scale, scale, scale. And I love the small giants model, which is like growing, but growing smart and actually having goals around impact, impact of your people, impact of your clients, because ultimately I want to be the happiest person, not necessarily the richest person. Mm. And so, um, you know, I think happiness comes from connection with people. So for me personally, I want to go deep with, you know, I, I don't know if I want an organization of 200 people because I don't know if I can keep a pulse on that. Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I think this kind of relates to, the Zen thinking, and I've heard you allude to some of this stuff when we, the topic of spirituality comes up, but it's just like, how, how do you want to solve? What's the best way to solve for the variable that you are 
after. Like you could have more stuff or you could just want less. Right. It's like, <laughs> right. And right. in, in theory, it's like same outcome, but, but not really because having more stuff has no end state and therefore it's kind of like unattainable. Right. And there's nothing wrong with big growth. Cause I think the more you grow, the more money you make, the more you can give away. I think that's very sexy too. Um, like why, why would you make a hundred million? What the hell you need that money for? Well, what if I give 80% of it away? <laughs> you know, I still need my 20, <laughs> no, but, but, uh, <clears throat> so to each yeah. own. Okay. Fair. But like but on that point, like what is the thing to give? If you think about what you can give away, man, to mm-hmm. me, the thing I can give away is my joy, like my presence, my, my, myself, my perspective, relationship that's the thing that as i have given it to others i have seen have the most impact and i think money to some degree can facilitate that but in in many ways it can also hinder so no no right wrong no no dichotomy for sure definitely no dichotomy between these two things so that's a great what comes up for me when you say that is i think one of your unique abilities is working with people and you know identifying strengths in people and sharing that presence that you talked about. So when you're in the weeds with things in your companies, um, that probably takes you away from that. So are you thinking of moving more into that? Like, I know it really lights you up to, to help people get what they're after in life. Like if they're mm-hmm. your, your team or other entrepreneurs and stuff. So I think the more you're doing that just from an outsider perspective, I'm like all about this, what lights you up journey. Like, like I said, I want to start this, like this vlog about like, Hey, putting what lights you up at the forefront of your life and seeing what happens. Like it it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do that the most hours of the day, but just that you're constantly like aware of what lights you up and you're putting that. Mm, mm. That, so the first uh, meeting with tribe, that was something, that was a question that Jake Dershey posed to me that really hit me. He he asked me what, what fills your cup? Oh yeah. There you go. I was like, yeah, man, what fills my cup? Okay. I dig that. Cause you can ask questions like Steve, tell, tell me about Steve. Tell me about the life of Steve wealthy. Well, I'm a um, Southern California father entrepreneur, or it's like, dude, what fills your cup? You know like that let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. That, that is essentially what you are. Dude. I love that question. Oh, I gotta, I forgot about that one. I gotta write that one down. I'm always <laughs> looking for better icebreakers. I was using, what are you excited about right now? But that usually only works around people that are somewhat like motivated. Like if you say that to someone that's kind of just like living life, they're like, well, what the, what the hell? What do you mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's funny. That's a good question. What lights you or what are you excited about right now? I could say what lights you up right now or what? Yeah. What fills your cup? Because um, I'm so tired of the, uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. Exactly. That's how we started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, you know, you can't, I guess you can't always say the introspective stuff, but especially when you're meeting like new people. Like if I was like, Hey, Jordan, what fills your cup? Like that wouldn't really make sense, right? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> what know. What fills your I'm... cup today, bro? What lights you up? I don't, but, I don't know. But you know how you can tell what lights you up? It's funny when you talk to people, their face will light up when they talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Like that's how you figure it out. And we've, I think it's happened at Tribe before where we've been like, well, Hey, I just saw your face. Like when you just mentioned writing that children's book or whatever it is, um, what about leaning more into that? And it's like, yeah, but, you know, but I have all these other commitments, et cetera, et cetera. But 
that's the battle, man. That's what we're what we're up against. Yeah, gotta earn it, man. Gotta gotta earn things. So I'd love to close on this on on this topic on the topic of um, thinking evil thoughts about other people. Mm. Nice, good people, people that you love, people that you're close with, people you have deep relationships with. <laughs> man, I don't know about you, but I've just been realizing lately how great I am at thinking terrible thoughts about people that I have deep love for like zero to 60. Uh, My wife, my wife points this out because she stands back and she hears me. And, you know, I've built my business off of having all these, these business partners. And I have, I have a lot of relationships in my life. So she'll hear me one day be like, Oh, so-and-so is the greatest. Like, man, I'm just so, so grateful to be in relationship with this person. And the next day I'm totally complaining and bitching about this person. And it's something I want to get better at, but I feel like the first step for me is just awareness of, of getting off that, like open to any thoughts or, or feedback you have on this. Yeah, man, that's an interesting, <laughs> that's a really interesting topic. I think awareness is the first key. Now, are you, you're vocalizing this, not just in your head, right? I'm, I am, yes, I am having a conversation with people, but I'm still giving a little bit too much time to like for me to be in my head before I go to them. Cause the, 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 the thing to do is just like pick up the phone and be like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. You know? Well, complaining is the ego's favorite way to like bolster itself. So, you know, it, it's, I would not beat yourself up about it. The ego is just unconscious, you know, it's just, uh, so I think awareness is the, is the first uh, defeat for the ego. And uh, sometimes, like I've told you, when I'm walking down the street and I see some like nice person, I'm like, what a douchebag, this guy. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's like... Touching people. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just the mind. It's, I think it's Maya. It's, uh, it's the delusion. It's the hell on earth that, that is, is the, he- the mind. So I think um, just silencing it and not giving it to... Once you make the mind into the problem, then you've created more ego. That's what Tolly says. He's like, so when you think of something like that, I wouldn't beat yourself up about it. I would just recognize it and let it go. Or if you catch yourself complaining, it's good. I like, I went through that a while back. I think I was telling you about it where I was complaining a bunch about a bunch of stuff and I had to put on the don't be a bitch bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as as I'm thinking about it right now, I'm, I'm seeing that the answer is just to talk to that person is to break through by being, in relationships. So I had two instances yesterday where I should have just picked up the phone immediately, but I didn't. And because I didn't, I gave myself the room to have like that, these looping thought cycles of kind of turning into something more than what it was. And the last one at the end of the day was, was comical because it ended with the other person being like, Oh bro, like total misunderstanding. My bad. Like, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean yeah. what you thought I meant. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm a total jerk here yeah that may be a muscle you work you want to build because if they're important people i'm a big believer and you got to have those conversations if like quicker yeah if you don't like care about the person they're just like in your sphere of influence or whatever but it's you don't have a relationship necessarily Mm -hmm. yeah be you know yeah just sorry dude beautiful so one more affirmation of speed to contact an emotional conflict one of the (laughs) i had one situation at a event a while back where there was this total blow up and i had this person that was like perfect to blame about it as like the cause and to think all these evil thoughts about 
And um, in that moment, I, I aggressively practiced contacting that person via phone anytime they made like loud criticisms. Like they'd make this like like scathing email. I was like, doo, 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 doo. "Hey, what's up, buddy? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing?" <laughs> yeah, because email can be clumsy, and sometimes contacts is hard. It totally neutralized the situation. So yeah, speed to contact in in emotional conflict. I dig it. I dig it, man. Glad cool, we man. talked through that. Yeah, man. Well, uh, well, good. We'll get to connect. Have a good weekend, and uh, let's do it again next week. All right, man. Be well. Talk soon. Peace. Yep. Did you enjoy this episode? Please share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about joining the tribe, go to tribemastermind.com to understand why the best and brightest mastermind with us.